You can put another series win on the board for the Orioles as they take two out of three from the Pittsburgh Pirates this weekend. Highlighted by Cedric Mullins hitting for the cycle on Friday night. I'll recap the weekend, get you my three big takeaways coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Monday, May 15th, 2023, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we're going to recap another weekend series victory for the Orioles as they took two out of three from the Pittsburgh Pirates at home in Baltimore, Orioles now 26 and 14 on the season, maintaining that spot in second place in the AL East. And I'm gonna get you my three big takeaways from the weekend having to do with Cedric Mullins hitting for the cycle on Friday with yours truly in the stands. Felix Bautista starting to look like his 2022 self once again. And the Orioles pitching staff really carrying this team here at the moment. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. Before we get there, though, just did want to thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. We're free and available on all podcast listening platforms. Make sure to download wherever you listen and like, comment, and subscribe to the Locked On Orioles podcast on YouTube as well. And if you're here as an everydayer as well, Monday through Friday to listen or watch the pod, we thank you so much for making Locked On Orioles your first listen of the day. For your first listen today, it's an Orioles series win. O's take two out of three from the Pirates as Pittsburgh just continues its free fall after a fantastic start to the 2023 season. But for the Orioles, they clinched the series early. They won 6-3 on Friday night, followed it up with a 2-0 win on Saturday. Unfortunately, they were done in by Mitch Keller on Sunday, couldn't complete the sweep and fell 4-0 in the final game of the series, but were still able to get the series. And again, 26-14, and the Orioles' record. As we really do sit right here at the one-quarter point of the season, 162 games, they've played 40. You're basically 25% there. The Orioles are 26-14. and 14. They are playing on essentially a 106-about win pace at the moment. Um, I will take that, and I'm certain that you will too. But let's jump into the three big takeaways from the weekend. Now, before we get there, though, I do have to say even bigger than the 40 games is really looking back to last season, right? Because Adley Rutschman was not around for the Orioles' first 40 games last year. He came up for game 41, the Orioles lost, and then they took off from there. When Adley Rutschman was called up, the Orioles were 16-24 and 24 through their first 40 games. They've already got a 10-game improvement in the first 40 games this year, 26-14. and 14. But after Sunday's loss, the Orioles have officially played 162 games exactly with Adley Rutschman on their big league roster. The Orioles are 93-69 and 69 in those 162 games. So you've basically, since calling Adley up, a, have a 93-win season. That gets you to the playoffs every single time and wins you a lot of divisions as well. That's how big a factor Adley Rutschman has been. But Adley had a good weekend. Don't get me wrong. Had a couple of big hits on Friday night, including the game-tying double in the seventh inning that 
even things up at two, starting to swing it back a little bit better. Had a two for four in that one on Friday. In the game Saturday, Adley just caught a really good game and also had a two for three, including a solo home run in the first inning that put the Orioles up one to nothing. Didn't get the start Sunday, came in as a pinch hitter and popped out to end the game, but it was a good weekend. But there was so much else going on that not going to highlight Adley as much. The hitter I'm going to talk about is Cedric Mullins, who certainly owned the weekend for the Orioles. Mullins hitting for the cycle on Friday night. I was in the ballpark, first time I've seen a cycle live, but Cedric hits for the cycle, going four for five in Friday night's win with, of course, a single, double, triple, and a homer, three RBIs, two runs scored, no strikeouts, no walks, and four hard-hit balls on the day. Started it with a flyout in the first inning, but then he singled in the third, tripled in the fifth to get the birdbath going for the first time at Camden Yards, and everybody in Section 86 getting a little wet. Then he doubles in the seventh, and he comes up in a really big spot in the eighth inning. First and third, two outs. Orioles clinging to a 3-2 lead. And they really at least needed a base knock from Cedric there, right? To just extend the lead, get a little bit of a cushion for the ninth inning. He gave him more than that. A three-run homer that Cedric rips into the flag court in right field to put the Orioles up 6-2 to two at the time. It was a huge hit because the O's did struggle a little bit in the top of the ninth to hold down that lead. But... That swing was enormous for Cedric Mullins, and he is really starting to look like the hitter that we saw in 2021. Not that he was bad last year, but it certainly wasn't what he was in his all-star season. But that home run, 103 off the bat, traveled 376 feet for the three-run homer. Three of his five hit balls were over 100 miles per hour off the bat. It was an impressive evening for Cedric. He also made a great diving catch in center field in that game on Friday night and became the sixth Oriole ever to hit for the cycle. And the O's are actually doing this a lot lately because they have Austin Hayes, who did it last season in June. They have Jonathan VR, who did it back in 2019, all during the Michael Elias era, and only have six in your history and have three of them come in the last five seasons is kind of interesting more than anything, but it is a little impressive. And there was a really cool moment between Austin Hayes and Cedric Mullins in the dugout when Mullins came in after hitting the homer. Hayes gave him a huge hug and just kind of said, I can't believe you did it too. And then an amazing moment at the ballpark after the eighth inning, once the Orioles ended the inning, Cedric coming back out to play center field in the top of the ninth. The Orioles let him go out to the field first. Everybody else stays in the dugout and Cedric got an amazing Standing ovation from a, a pretty good Oriole Park crowd on Friday night after his cycle and just everything he's done for the O's. It was a really special moment for Cedric Mullins. And, and he continued to have a, a pretty solid weekend. He did go 0 for 4 Saturday, but came back with a 2 for 4 Sunday with a couple of singles. Ended up 6 for 13 on the weekend with three RBIs and six hard hit balls. And for Cedric Mullins, as I said, it's it's starting to look like 2021. And again, he was not bad last year. He was an above-average major league hitter, played good defense in center, stole a lot of bases. He was really valuable for the Orioles. But he just wasn't the hitter he was when he had the 136 WRC Plus and had the 30-30 season and made the All-Star team in 2021. But quietly, he is pretty much hitting up to the standard so far this year through 40 games that he was in 2021. Besides the home runs, really, which he has five homers right now, so he's on pace for 20, and of course he hit 32 years ago, the power has gone down. But other than that, he's been a pretty similar hitter. And honestly, you could argue if you take out power, he's been a better hitter this year so far 
than he was in 2021. I'll tell you why. Well, first of all, he's got more stolen bases, maybe been a little more valuable, been just as good defensively. His arm strength has gotten better in center field, but also his walk rate is way up. He was at about 8% in 2021. He's pushing 13% in 2022. His strikeout rate is slightly down. He's continuing to hit lefties like he did two years ago. And here's the other thing for Mullins. He is continuing to be the perfect leadoff hitter for the Orioles. He can hit righties and lefties again. He is getting himself on base. He has a little bit of pop. He can steal a base for you at any time. And you would think, oh, there's no way that his on-base numbers are close to what he did in 2021. He was amazing in the leadoff spot. In 2021, Mullins had a 360 on-base percentage. Right now, Mullins has a 359 on-base percentage. Basically identical on base, and that's the number one thing you want to look at in a leadoff hitter. Is he getting on base? Mullins is doing that right now. And so if you take out the home runs, which is why his value was higher two years ago and why his you know kind of cumulative offensive stats were better because he was hitting more homers. Those are the most valuable hit you can get. But besides that, he's been, you could argue, just as valuable a hitter this year. And that is huge for the Orioles because, as you may know, the offense around Cedric is much better in 2023 than it was two years prior. So he doesn't have to do as much. So he doesn't have to hit 30 homers. But if he's still getting on base, stealing bases, playing good defense, and hitting for the cycle every once in a while, and you have much better hitters behind him, he never had Adley Rutschman hitting behind him in 2021. Now you do. He never had Gunnar Henderson in his lineup in 2021. Now you do. You got a much better offense around him which makes the Orioles' offense hum. He is a fun, fun player. I think, personally, he needs an extension this offseason. We'll talk about that more and more throughout the season and into November and December, but it's been awesome to see what Cedric has done with his career after a really rough start to it in the big leagues. And he's looking close to that hitter we saw two years ago. But unfortunately for the O's, besides Adley, who had a nice weekend, Gunnar Henderson did hit a homer on Saturday, which was big for him. And, of course, Cedric hitting for the cycle on Friday. It wasn't a great weekend for the offense. They only scored eight runs in total in the three games and got shut out in the loss on Sunday. But it was the pitching that specifically stood out. Now, later in the pie, I'm going to talk about the staff as a whole. But coming up next, I wanted to highlight one pitcher, the Mountain, Felix Bautista, Got himself two saves over the weekend. And honestly, for the first time this year, he looked like the 2022 dominant version of Felix Bautista. I'll talk about why that was coming up next. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know that the part will fit. Or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. So get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. 
So the Orioles took two out of three from the Pittsburgh Pirates this weekend at home as they continue to just kind of roll along here. The O's playing great baseball, 26-14 and 14 on the season now. And Cedric Mullins with an amazing moment on Friday night, hitting for the cycle for the O's. But really, it was mostly about the pitching. And I want to start by highlighting what Felix Bautista was able to do this weekend. Because although Felix did win American League Reliever of the Year in the month of April, and although Felix's ERA was still sub-2, anyone watching him could tell he was just not the same pitcher so far this year that he had been last year. The command was off. You saw it from the beginning of the season. You saw it specifically lately when he was walking a lot of guys. Now, the stuff was still there. He was still throwing 100, still a nasty splitter. And when he could find the zone just enough, this is something I've talked about over the last couple of weeks, his stuff is just so good that he was finding the zone just enough that he was still getting outs and not allowing runs. In Felix Bautista's previous six appearances coming into Friday night's game, he had allowed just one earned run in about seven innings. That's, that's good. He had struck out 11. That's really good. But he had also walked 10 batters in his past six appearances, including twice he walked three batters in one appearance. That is not sustainable. No matter how good your stuff is, at some point that's going to catch up to you. And it didn't really catch up to him in that stretch because he was still missing bats at an incredible rate. And again, only gave up the one run. But it was getting a little concerning. His mechanics looked off. He was missing everything up high with the fastball. And then the splitter would either be way high and just float out there or he'd spike it into the ground. He was not looking like the 2022 version of Felix Bautista. Well, something clicked for Felix this weekend. And maybe it was just a matter of the situation that was happening when he came into the game. So I mentioned Cedric Mullins completing the cycle with the big three-run homer on Friday night. That hit was so huge because it gave the O's some breathing room. They were leading 3-2 to two in the eighth inning, had the Rutschman RBI double and the Mountcastle RBI single in the seventh to put them ahead. And then the Mullins three-run homer makes it 6-2, to two, and Felix Bautista, who was warming in the bullpen because it was a 3-2 game, sat down because it was no longer a save situation. And I was totally fine with that decision. Brandon Hyde gets Austin Voth up, who it looks like is probably the guy who warms up the fastest. That's probably why he went to Austin Voth. But he gets Voth up, who's pitched the ninth inning a couple of times this year and has finished off games that weren't save situations. And I love the idea of getting Felix an extra day off because he's pitched a lot this year. He's going to continue to pitch a lot, especially because the Orioles' schedule is tough here in May. So get him an off day anytime you can. So they go to Austin Voth, and it does not go well. Voth throws seven straight balls to start the ninth inning, walks the first two batters he faces, then allows an RBI single, and all of a sudden, it's a 6-3 game, there's nobody out, and there's runners on first and third, and the tying run has come to the plate. And Brandon Hyde smartly then says, that's enough of you, Austin Voth, we're going to the mountain. So he goes to Felix Bautista, but I was a little worried because not that he would give up the three-run homer to tie the game, but I thought he's coming in with already runners on base where he does struggle more. He's got that long leg kick, guys steal bases on him from time to time. And if he's going to walk a couple of guys, he can't just walk the bases loaded and then strike them all out. If he walks a couple of guys, he's going to walk in some runs here and make this even more challenging. But then Felix came in and looked as good, if not better than he looked, at times in 2022. He comes in on Friday night and just says this game is over. Like he was, he was done. He was completely done with this game. It was Connor Joe, Rodolfo Castro, and Jiwon Bay 
due up with Felix coming up. He goes strikeout, strikeout, strikeout to end the game. Fastball to Joe, splitter to Castro, fastball to Bay, and ends the game. The runners on first and third never even advance at all, and the Orioles win it 6-3. to three. And this was vintage Felix that we saw on Friday night. Took him only 13 pitches. That's really important. 13 pitches to get those strikeouts. 10 strikes in 13 pitches after he had been walking everybody coming into this outing. Got three whiffs on the four-seamer, got one more on the splitter, four overall. He was really, really good. Then he comes back on Saturday because the Orioles holding a 2-0 lead going into the ninth inning. Yenier Cano had already pitched a scoreless eighth. So they go to Felix Bautista, acting manager Freddie Gonzalez with Brandon Hyde at his daughter's graduation on Saturday. Freddie Gonzalez, he's managed a lot of games in the big leagues. But he goes to the mountain again on back-to-back days. And that worried me too because I was like, okay, Felix looked great Friday night. Looked back to the old Felix. You know, fastball up in the zone for called strikes. Splitter starts at the knees, breaks below. He's looking devastating. But I was worried because, okay, he hasn't been able to do it in back-to-back games without having some command issues. And it's a 2-0 game. He gives up a leadoff single to Brian Reynolds. And all of a sudden, once again, just like it was for all three batters he struck out on Friday night, it was like, okay, here we go. All three of these batters are going to be representing the tying run here at Camden Yards. And what does he do? He strikes out three in a row. Again, this time it was on 15 pitches after allowing the single on three pitches to open the inning. And it was just ridiculous again. Now, all three of these were on the splitter, which was fascinating. Some were called strikes. A couple of them were called strikes, and one was swinging in the dirt. But that splitter was moving, and he had command of it, finally. Hasn't had command of that splitter much at all this year. But he got a couple of whiffs on three swings on the splitter. Also got one on the four-seamer. Even got a whiff on the slider, which is really important. He only threw one slider, but he got a swing and miss, which is really helpful for Felix moving forward if he ever does have to go to that slider from time to time. But he was in the strike zone. He was dropping the, the splitter out of the strike zone. This was the Felix we saw last year. Good command, great splitter, and no walks. Remember, he had walked 10 batters in his past six appearances. Two appearances, two innings, zero walks. Never even got in a three-ball count against the Pirates this weekend. If he can keep doing that, and Yinier Cano, who did allow his first extra base hit of the season in the eighth inning Saturday, but still put up a zero... If Yinyar Cano can continue his thing where he's not giving up any runs and Felix looks like this, and then you still have Brian Baker and Danny Coulomb and soon Dylan Tate and Michael Givens, this is going to be the best bullpen in baseball if this is what Felix is going to look like. And if they're the best bullpen in baseball, you can win some games with solid offense and sometimes not very good starting pitching if you're hitting and you're getting guys out of the back end. But if the O's get the starting pitching they've been getting lately, they're going to ascend to another level. And this weekend showed that the starting pitching is getting better. Specifically, Bradish and Wells both had their best outings of the season. So coming up next to finish off the pod, going to break down the pitchers besides Felix, who impressed at Camden Yards this weekend, and why that means good, good things for the Orioles moving forward. 
So the O's took two out of three from the Pirates this weekend, but no off day. They are right back to it at Oriole Park at Camden Yard starting tonight. A four-game series with the Angels. And tonight, whew, what a pitching matchup. Grayson Rodriguez versus Shohei Otani as the Orioles play the Angels tonight at 6.35 p.m. Eastern Time. You can catch every pitch of the Orioles' hometown broadcast with the SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Orioles. So we've been talking pitching, right? Felix Bautista was great, but he was not the only pitcher who shined in the series win this weekend for the O's. Let's start with the first two starters of the weekend, and let's begin with Kyle Bradish. Kyle Bradish had his best start of the year, full stop, in the outing on Friday night. Bradish goes six innings, allowing just one unearned run in the game. A couple of really shaky defensive plays by Jorge Mateo in the third inning led to the Pirates' only run, and it was unearned, at least only run against Bradish. Six innings, one unearned run, so zero earned runs on three hits. He struck out six. He walked only one. He threw just 89 pitches to get through six innings and allowed only five hard-hit balls. Bradish lowering his ERA to 4.56 on the season. And first of all, the first thing I look at every time I'm kind of grading out and going back over a Kyle Bradish start is what was the pitch mix and did he throw more sliders than anything else? You can check box number one. Kyle Bradish, of his 89 pitches, threw 28 sliders on Friday night. That was his most used pitch. Now, he did throw a lot of fastballs after that, 25 four-seamers and 18 sinkers, followed by 13 curveballs and five change-ups. But the kind of baseline for Bradish to be good is more sliders than anything else. And that is what he did, and that slider was absolutely ridiculous on Friday night. He threw 28 sliders. He got eight balls in play against that slider. Most of them turned into outs. He got two foul balls. He only got two called strikes, so he wasn't really using it for a get-me-over pitch, but that's okay. He was using a lot of his other stuff to get me over. The swing and miss was unreal on the slider. 18 swings. He got eight whiffs on that slider. There's been some Orioles pitchers, actually a lot of Orioles pitchers this year, who haven't even got eight total whiffs in an entire start. He got eight just on his slider, 16 total whiffs on the night for Kyle Bradish. The slider was ridiculous. And what the slider did was it made his fastballs better. We know his four-seamer is his worst pitch, but when his slider is that good, and he's using it as his number one pitch, when you throw 25 four-seamers, then you can get four whiffs on the four-seamer, and you can get more whiffs in total with your other pitches. And he was kind of using the four-seamer and the sinker to kind of get his called strikes. He had 13 of his 18 called strikes between the sinker and the four-seamer. Slider was the whiff pitch, and then he could just throw the curveball in there every so often. Only threw 13 of them, but got a couple swings and misses. Even got a whiff on a changeup, which he only threw five times. It was a really good mix for Bradish. And stuff-wise, it's the best he's looked all year. All five pitches were positive, had a positive outcome for him. He was also very much in the strike zone. Like, 58% of his pitches were in the actual strike zone. That doesn't even count the ones that they chased and, and swung and missed at outside the strike zone. I mean, when they went after some of his pitches, they weren't really making contact outside the zone either. This is how you want Kyle Bradish to pitch. Throwing strikes, getting ahead, 
and then slider, curveball, boom, swing and miss. Those pitches are some of the best breaking balls in all of baseball. This is the Kyle Bradish that makes me salivate on this podcast. It makes me say he's going to be the breakout pitcher that's going to be better than Grayson Rodriguez by the end of this year. It makes me say this is the guy who's going to start opening day 2024 for the Orioles. This is that Kyle Bradish, and it was awesome to see that Friday. But even with that version of Kyle Bradish, he's still not the best pitcher on the staff right now. Because Tyler Wells is just on another planet right now for the O's. He followed up Bradish with an even better start on Saturday. Wells' final line in the Orioles' shutout 2-0 win on Saturday night. The righty goes seven scoreless innings, allowing just one hit. He struck out a career-high eight batters and walked two through 96 pitches, only six hard-hit balls. He's got a 2-6-8 ERA now in the season. And Wells continuing, continuing to lower his whip, his walks and hits over innings pitched. It was already coming into Saturday's start at .75, the lowest whip in all of baseball among qualified hitters. It's now at .72. It's even lower, and it's still the lowest whip among all qualified hitters. And what you really saw from Tyler Wells on Saturday night is just an incredible pitch mix of his stuff that was working. So he was still fastball heavy. I think you're never really going to see Bradish use anything more often than the four-seamer. 28 out of 96 pitches with a four-seam fastball, and it was good. Four swings and misses. It was in the strike zone. The velocity was a little up. He was 93 to 94. But it was the off-speed stuff that was just incredible for Tyler Wells. Slider was his number two pitch. 23 of them. He gets eight whiffs on 12 swings on the slider. That is a ridiculous number. That is a 67% whiff rate on one pitch. Anything over 50 is generally considered like absurd. Anything over 40 is great. He was at 67%. Eight whiffs on 12 swings. The Pirates had no chance against the slider. He had 18 total whiffs on the day, which was a career high, just like the career high eight strikeouts. That usually tends to match up. But even though the slider was otherworldly and it's the best slider he's ever had, I was actually more impressed with the changeup. This is a pitch that Wells has worked on more and more since the Orioles brought him over from the Twins organization in the 2020 Rule 5 draft. The Orioles are becoming a team that is known to be able to teach anybody a good changeup. And they have certainly given Tyler Wells a great changeup. He threw it 21 times on Saturday night. Five whiffs on 10 swings, also got four called strikes. They basically didn't barrel that pitch up at all. It was devastating to left-handers, just they were chasing it out of the zone again and again and again. And that thing, it's his number three pitch right now. Like, he's fastball slider changeup. But the fact that that pitch is so dominant against lefties, and then the slider was looking so dominant against righties, and then he always has, you know, the four-seamer against a right-hander, then the cutter against a left-hander, and he still has that big overhand curveball when he wants to throw it. But the repertoire is just becoming better and better. And with the changeup being as good as it's been, like that was another level, the changeup that we saw on Saturday night. If that's the changeup we're going to continue to see, I mean, it's been his second most used pitch this year. And opponents are only hitting 143 against the changeup. But here's the thing. Opponents are hitting 167 against Wells' four-seam fastball this year. That is the highest batting average against, against any of his pitches. Every single pitch is below a 170 batting average against it. That's unreal. Now, I said this on Twitter on Saturday. 
you are generally lucky to just find a solid reliever in the Rule 5 draft. Sometimes you can find a good hitter. The Orioles did it with Anthony Santander a couple years ago. But you're usually lucky to find, pitching-wise, a solid reliever. Orioles tried to do it with Andrew Pelletti this year, just didn't work out. Rarely do you find even a league average starter in the Rule 5 draft. The Orioles found a good major league starter in the Rule 5 draft. Almost no one is ever able to pull that off. Not sure what the Twins are doing, but they just keep giving the Orioles good pitchers. Keep it coming. Yinier Cano, Danny Coulomb, Tyler Wells, heck, maybe Chris Valamont one day. I will take all the Twins pitchers. But Tyler Wells is the best of them, and he's just been amazing so far this year. And even got a shout-out Kyle Gibson. I mean, he wasn't very good, right, on Sunday. Now the Orioles didn't score any runs, so no matter how good Gibson was, they were probably going to lose that game. Mitch Keller struck out 13, a career high in seven scoreless innings for the Pirates. And Gibson went five innings, four runs, seven hits, five Ks, and three walks. But he had allowed those four runs through three innings, and the Orioles were down to 12 pitchers on the roster. And it was really helpful for Gibson. He gets through a scoreless fourth and a scoreless fifth to get through five innings. And then the bullpen kept it at 4 nothing. The offense just never did anything. And, and that's also what happened this weekend, right? Like, even when guys didn't make the biggest impact, they still had a good weekend. I mentioned Yinier Cano. You know, he, he puts up the, the scoreless inning on Saturday. Even though he gave up his first extra base hit, he still did his job and threw up a zero before handing it over to Felix. You had Friday night, you know, Danny Coulomb did give up that home run, but the Orioles go to Brian Baker, and he goes an inning and a third scoreless with two strikeouts. Baker looking like his old self. I mean, he threw a changeup on Friday night that literally looked like it levitated in midair and then broke down for a swing and a miss. It was his only whiff on the day in 12 pitches, but that changeup was one of the craziest pitches I've ever seen. So after a little tough stretch there, looks like Brian Baker might be back. Mike Bauman had a really big outing on Sunday, two scoreless hitless innings with three strikeouts and a walk. You're thinking Bauman, he might be on the roster bubble when Tate and Givens come back, but he's certainly pitching like he deserves to stay in the big leagues right now. I mean, and you're looking at a team and a staff that, that was carrying 12 pitchers even on Sunday. You know, They had called up Nick Vespi before the weekend, replacing Drew Rahm on the roster. Vespi to kind of get a more experienced lefty. Orioles said, you know, they, they needed Rahm to be the long guy, but then the bullpen was rested, so they went to Vespi. But then Ryan McKenna got a little bit of back injury. Orioles felt they needed an extra right-handed hitter, so they called up Joey Ortiz on Sunday. They sent Nick Vespi back down, and all of a sudden, they were operating with 14 hitters and 12 pitchers. Now, you are allowed to do that. You're not allowed to go with 14 pitchers and 12 hitters. But for a team where pitching is supposed to be the struggle, it was a bold move to go with 12 pitchers when you can go with 13. And they used Bauman for two scoreless. And then, you know, they had Cienel Perez throw a scoreless and both threw a scoreless on Sunday after Gibson went five. But right now, at some point, they're going to get a 13th pitcher. You would think it's going to be Dylan Tate or Michael Givens next. Now, Dylan Tate looked a lot better in a scoreless inning Friday. Apparently, Tate and Givens will both throw an inning in AAA Norfolk on rehab on Tuesday, which means, I mean, Dylan Tate, I feel like, could be back Thursday, I would say, at this point. If he's going to throw Tuesday, maybe you don't want to bring him back for a back-to-back. Can the Orioles survive until Thursday with 12 pitchers? I wouldn't think so. I would think either Ortiz or Taron Vavra or Kyle Stowers, who's really struggling, would maybe go back to AAA and they'd add another reliever. Or many if, maybe if Ryan McKenna's back issue continues to, to beat him up, maybe he goes on the IL and they add a, another reliever until Tate and Givens come back. 
But they're resting their pen enough with better starting pitching. I mean, they have now gone eight consecutive games. The Orioles have allowed four runs or less in eight consecutive games. After that debacle, the game they won, you know, 13 to 10 in Kansas City a couple weeks ago, eight straight with four runs or less since then. That's going to save your bullpen. That's good starting. That's good relieving. And it's good pitching right now by the Orioles. That was supposed to be the downside of this team. But it's on the upswing. And that's why they're 26-14 and 14 right now. And we'll probably see a roster move at some point this week to get another pitcher in there in the bullpen. But things are looking up, and hopefully things continue to look up. Because it's Grayson Rodriguez on the hill. Trying to follow up a pretty good start from his last time out. He's got Shohei Otani on the other side. Rodriguez and Otani tonight opening up a four-game series between the O's and the Angels. And then I'm back with you tomorrow recapping what should be an exciting game one between these two teams. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.